It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what we are told about Christmas. Or sometimes it's put a little more moderately than that. We're told it's a special time of the year. I wonder what your response is to those kind of statements. Maybe you totally disagree. I'm sure there are plenty of people who hate Christmas and can't wait for it to be over. But I would guess there aren't too many of those people here this evening. If you were totally down on Christmas, you wouldn't have come to a Christmas carol service. Now, maybe a few of you are here under duress, but I'm guessing the majority of you are here because you agree. Even if Christmas isn't the most wonderful time of the year, it is a pretty special time. So my question is, if Christmas is wonderful, if it is special in some way, what makes it special? What makes Christmas? A few weeks ago, I saw this poster from Sky Cinema. The poster says, movies make Christmas. And to prove it, there are three characters from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, I understand everyone loves a movie at Christmas, and I also understand Sky Cinema has a vested interest in pushing the idea that movies make Christmas. But do any of us really think that? If we agree that Christmas is a special time, do we really think it's movies that make it special? Don't we watch movies all year round? If movies are all that's special about Christmas, then Christmas isn't actually special at all. So then, those of us who believe Christmas is special, if we disagree with Sky Cinema's explanation, what is our explanation? What would we say? Food and drink? Make Christmas? Really? Are any of us really that mad about Christmas dinner and mince pies? Enough to say those are the things that make Christmas? What about presents? Again, really? If presents make Christmas, then Christmas isn't special once you get beyond the age of about 16. Isn't that the age when most people start saying, just give me money? And maybe I'm annoying some of you by this point because it seems like I'm deliberately avoiding the most obvious answer to what makes Christmas. Surely the answer is family. What could be more wonderful than getting all the family squeezed around a dining table and then squeezed around the living room afterwards? Or if you have a big family, what could be better than doing it all in several shifts over several days? Now, personally, I think family is a special part of Christmas. But isn't it true, family get-togethers don't always deliver all we hope they would. Sometimes they deliver a lot less than we hoped. So if we believe Christmas is a special time, even perhaps a wonderful time, we still haven't got to the bottom of what makes it special. 
There might be one more answer that is pretty popular. Tradition. What makes Christmas is the decorations, the Christmas sweaters, and I've seen a few good specimens here this evening. The traditions, especially maybe we'd say the nativities and the carols that we only sing once a year. I assume at least part of the reason you came tonight is because you enjoy singing traditional carols by candlelight. Christmas traditions can make us feel warm. They can be very comforting to us. But it is very possible to love the traditions of Christmas while at the same time not really knowing what the point of those traditions is or what the words of these carols really mean. And so very briefly, let me try and sum up the message of the carols that we sing. The message is, God's love makes Christmas. God's love provides what the other things we've mentioned fail to provide. Here's how the Bible explains it. These words come from the New Testament. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we read here that God is love and that he loved us, we might respond by saying, well, sure he loves us. Why wouldn't he love us? But if we were to go back to the beginning of the Bible, we would see it is not so obvious at all that God would love us. The beginning of the Bible describes God creating an amazing world for us a place for us to flourish and prosper as human beings. God gave it to us as a gift. And he said the only condition for enjoying that gift is that we trust his wisdom. That we trust the one who made us is the one who knows what is helpful to us and what is harmful to us. In his love, God gave us a world to enjoy. And along with the gift, he gave his wisdom for how to enjoy our life in this world. The Bible tells us the first man and woman rebelled against God's love. They rejected his wisdom. They preferred to trust their own very limited wisdom. They preferred to decide for themselves how to live. Our ancestors set the pattern and we have been following that pattern ever since. What are the results of that? How has it turned out for us? Not so well. Our own wisdom has got this world into a pretty significant mess. And we see it, don't we, on a large scale with wars and oppression and deprivation around the world. And don't we see it also on a small, personal scale as well? 
Isn't this one reason that family issues tend to break Christmas more often than they make Christmas? So going back to these words on the screen that tell us God loved us, do we still want to say, sure, he loves us, why wouldn't he? If it's in his character to love, then of course he would love us. If you were God, would you love us? Considering the mess we've made of his good gifts, considering how we have broken his world, considering how we have broken ourselves, all through our determination that we know best. It is not obvious at all that God would love us. But incredibly, the Bible says that yes, God loved us in spite of our mess. And in his love, he took action to deal with the mess we've made. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God's one and only son came into the world in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was born not in a royal palace, but as we know from our carols and from these Bible readings, Jesus was born among farm animals. He was born to poor parents in a poor place. The carols we sing mention that often. Our nativity plays center on that because it is an amazing thing that God the Son would humble himself like that. The Bible says Jesus came that we might live through him. That is not talking about Jesus giving us a beating heart and giving us breath in our lungs. It's talking about being restored to the life we were meant to have. Way back in the beginning, life in relationship with God. Instead of life alienated from God as enemies of God. Jesus came so we could have that have that life. How did Jesus achieve it? He died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is not the part we tend to focus on at Christmas, but the Bible tells us Jesus was born at Christmas with the firm intention that he would die 33 years later at Easter time. That was the plan all along. That Jesus would not only humble himself to be born in poverty, actually he came to humble himself all the way to a degrading death on a Roman cross. Giving his life as an atoning sacrifice. Not for his own sins, but for ours. Jesus is God the Son. He never rebelled against his Father. He had no sin that needed to be atoned for. He came to atone for our sin. But what does that mean exactly? Well, we said our rebellion against God didn't just mess up our world, it messed us up. And the main way it did that was it cut us off from God. And it put us under a death sentence. Because rebellion against God is sin. 
even if we are lovely to everyone else, if we reject God's wisdom and authority, that is sin. And sin is not something that can just be wished away. Sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be paid for. And the Bible tells us that is why Jesus died. His death was not a tragic accident. He laid down his life for us to pay for our sin. An atoning sacrifice is a sacrifice that deals with our sin. A sacrifice that restores us to relationship with God. All the carols we've sung this evening, all the Bible readings we've heard, this truth is at the center of them all. Jesus is God's gift to us. Given so that we could be forgiven. So that we could live the life we were always meant to live. Life in friendship with God. Life in reliance on God. God's love is what makes Christmas. I think we can prove that because if we ignore or erase this truth that we've just been thinking about, if we ignore it or erase it, then there's really nothing left of Christmas. There's nothing that makes it special. We laugh when children open a present at Christmas and then spend their time playing with the wrapping instead of the present itself. That happens a lot. And we laugh when children do it, but if we ignore or erase the truth of Jesus and why he came at Christmas, then we're doing the same thing. We're focusing on the wrapping and forgetting the present. Except in our case, it is not funny. It has eternal consequences for us. Because if we bypass Jesus, we miss out on what God has done to forgive our sin and welcome us into his love. God's love comes to us through Jesus and only through Jesus. The Bible says it really is that exclusive. Apart from Jesus, we cannot enter into God's love. So this Christmas, as you watch movies, as you open presents, as you eat your Brussels sprouts, and squeeze your family into the living room, please don't mistake all of that lovely wrapping for the real thing. It is God's love that makes Christmas. That love has been delivered in the person of Jesus Christ. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. The one who rose again from the cross, from the dead, from the tomb, to be our living Savior. This Christmas, come and receive the gift God has given. It's a free gift, but you do have to come and receive it. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to give you new life. Ask Him and He will do it on the basis of Jesus' sacrifice for you. Right at the beginning, I said that some of you might be here under duress because you hate Christmas and you just want it to be over. 
And maybe you have good reasons for feeling that way. Maybe Christmas has been one big letdown for you over the years. But here is the truth that can make Christmas for you. Maybe some of you have heard this truth before, and you thought it sounded good, but in the end you walked away and you never did anything about it. I encourage you to do something about it this year. I'd be happy to talk to you afterwards. Please come and find me. We'd also like to give each of you a copy of this book. It explains more about Jesus. There, these will be on a table in the entrance, that, and they're free. Please take one home with you. In the new year, we're planning to run a course called Christianity Explored. That answers a lot of questions about Jesus. Again, you can ask me about that afterwards. Or if you came with someone from this church, ask them to get the details for you. In a moment, we're going to sing our last carol. Then you're welcome to, for cakes and mince pies next door. Now, we've seen that cakes and mince pies do not make Christmas, but they are a nice extra to Christmas. So please stay and join us for those. But before that, uh, before we sing our final carol, our musicians are going to sing a song for us that picks up on what we've been thinking about. It is called, Heaven Has Come to Us.
Let's join in our last carol, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
Happy Christmas.